Well, we live in a broken world, and uh, we don't particularly have to be reminded of that. But sometimes we have to be invited to actually consider our own brokenness. Because one of our ways to cope with our brokenness is to suppress. We try not to think about these kinds of things. We try to bury them and, and forget about them or act like that they are, are not a real factor. Uh, it's to those of us that do that denial thing that Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In other words, you've got to acknowledge, I've got this stuff going on. In order for him to come alongside and comfort you. And so what we're going to be doing today is not only reminding ourselves, you know, how is it that I'm broken in this broken world? But we're going to be asking and hopefully answering the question for you. Is God big enough to do something about that? Do I believe that God can restore my life? Do you believe that? And when we talk about believing that God can restore, we have to be careful to delineate. We're not talking about God like a genie in a bottle. We're not talking about him doing something magical in you. We're not talking about God like some kind of lucky charm that you carry around with you. And whenever things are getting a little, you know, whacked out, you pull God out of your pocket and something, you know, wonderful happens. But we're talking about believing in the person of God as he revealed himself to us in Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus is God? That he in fact created this world and as the scriptures testify, he sustains. He holds together this world. If he were to remove himself from us and from this world, it all fall apart. Do you believe that Jesus is sovereign? That he has power and authority over everything and everyone. He has the right to declare what's wrong and what's right. What's bad and what's good. And what life will be about and what it won't be about. He is sovereign. He's the one that gets to determine how circumstances get played out day by day. Do you believe that Jesus is compassionate? Not only that he is creator, omniscient, omnipotent God in control of everything, but that he's benevolent. That he's kind, he's good, he's loving. That he is bent toward blessing you. Not judging and condemning you. Now make no mistake, if you reject his lordship, if you reject his sovereignty, if you uh, ignore his compassion, then there will be a day of accountability for those kinds of decisions that you've made. But at the heart of hearts... He is bent toward blessing, redeeming, and in all these ways that were broken, restoring, rebuilding. Now, the way that we're going to reflect and come to some level of understanding about that today is by looking at the Gospel of Matthew. 
Now, we have been in the Gospel of Matthew for some time. And uh, as we have especially camped out in chapters 8 and 9 for the last several weeks, we have been uh, reflecting upon the authority of Jesus. We have been making note along the way that Matthew in his uh, sharing good news about Jesus, has sought to let us know why it's good news that he has all authority, that he has all power, that he is the sovereign God. And uh, in chapters 8 and 9, Matthew takes ten miracle stories, puts them all together, stacks them up, and just uh, keeps pounding away at us to show us how powerful, how mighty, how authoritative Jesus is, and how good that is for you, that he is. And so if you've been paying attention, you note that uh, in chapters 8 and 9, Matthew begins this section with three miracle stories, and then an interlude about discipleship. Then he has three more miracle stories, and an interlude about discipleship. And today he will have four miracle stories and then a question about your discipleship. And it's couched this way in 934. What do you really believe about Jesus? Let's look at the text and then we'll talk about it. So we're in chapter 9. We're picking up in verse 18. Speaking of Jesus, while he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him. Get a little visual going, okay? So a ruler in the synagogue, he would be appropriately attired as such, comes to Jesus while Jesus is talking and making remarks about things, and immediately kneels or prostrates himself before Jesus. Now, this is no uh, easy thing to miss. If you're in the company of Jesus right now, you have just seen this spectacle of this ruler of the synagogue coming and kneeling before Jesus. And he says, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Now, you still got to visualize this. The ruler has said, will you come to my house and raise my daughter from the dead? He's on his way, and he's intercepted by another woman. And she has suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years, and she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned. And seeing her, he said, take heart, be encouraged, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl rose. And the report of this went through all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. 
when he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. One translator put it this way, Your faith will not disappoint you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. And as they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. Keep your Bible open. Let's walk through the text together and see what happens here, what transpires. When we begin to look at the case that Matthew is making for how Jesus does, he can and he does restore people, he begins with this ruler in the synagogue. Now, we've already been introduced to Jesus having an encounter with a ruler in the Roman army. So this was a non-Jewish Gentile Roman centurion that demonstrated great faith in Jesus. Now, we are in the Jewish community and a ruler from the synagogue has faith in Jesus. And he comes to Jesus with his daughter having died. We are to understand that she's a, a small girl, young girl, perhaps 10, 11, 12, something like that. And he, he says, not only has she died, I believe you can restore her. And Jesus goes to the house, and as was the custom in those days, uh, when you entered a season of mourning, uh, some people would come and play the flute, and others would wail and cry out and mourn and all this kind of thing and cry. And uh, when Jesus got there, he said, okay, stop the music. You guys quit crying. She is not dead. She's asleep, which was a way of him saying, I'm about to awaken her. I'm about to raise her. And they laughed. What kind of laugh was that? Was that a nervous laugh? Was that a laugh of mockery and disbelief? Well, who knows? But Jesus would have none of it. And so he sent them away. And then he went into the girl and took her by the hand and lifted her hand. And life came back into her body and she rose. And Jesus was able to restore someone from death. Do you believe that Jesus can restore from death? If so, say, yes, I believe. The second story was an interruption of the first story. A woman has a chronic 
hemorrhaging kind of problem. It's not detailed exactly what that is. But it's been going on for 12 years. And as you know, medically, if you have this constant hemorrhaging kind of situation, it is like your life is being drained from you every day. It just sucks life out of you. And when you look at uh, Matthew, uh, excuse me, when you look at Mark and Luke's account of this, and when they're telling about it, they say that the woman's also spent all of her money on doctors trying to uh, address and take care of this situation. Now, according to the Levitical law, uh, when women had a bleeding or hemorrhaging situation, they were considered for some period of time to be unclean. And, of course, hers was chronic been going on for 12 years all that time ceremonially unclean which is to say she should never be touching another person because she would be defiling them when she does that and so Jesus is on his way on a mission with the ruler of the synagogue to go and see his dead daughter and she just in the midst of the crowd reaches out to touch uh, the way the text says it was the fringe of his garment but it's the tassels of his garment uh, all faithful Jewish men who worship God would wear one of these shawl-like uh, garments that would be on the, the edges of it having these tassels. And so it's kind of like the idea that I, I don't want to touch him and defile him, but I believe he can heal me. And so she reaches out just for the tassel that's dangling along there. And, of course, the, the crowd is pressing all around as he's trying to make his way to the ruler's house. And... Somehow Jesus knows with the touch of the tassel, faith has been expressed. So he stops and he turns around and he engages the woman. And he just declares right then and there, your faith has healed you. Boom, instantaneously. She is healed and restored from a chronic over a decade kind of debilitation. And what we are presented with by Matthew is that Jesus has the authority and the power to restore us from life's draining circumstances. Do you believe that Jesus can restore us from life's draining circumstances? If so, say, yes, I believe. third story, the two blind men follow him from the ruler's house back to the house where Jesus is staying. This is all happening in Capernaum. And along the way, apparently somebody's helping them find their way. These two blind guys are saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. Which was an ancient messianic way of saying... We believe that you're the anointed one of God who has all authority and power. And apparently, Jesus does not respond to them. Because they follow him all the way home. He does not stop and engage them like he stopped the, with the woman and engaged her. And he actually gets home and in the house, and they're out there yelling, Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, have... They're persisting. Okay? Got the picture? They won't go away. It's called importunity, a refusal to be denied. And so Jesus comes to them and does engage them. 
and, and note the question. Do you really believe that I can do this? Now, was Jesus asking that because Jesus was unsure about their faith? No. Jesus knew. Jesus was asking a question for their own clarification. Because, I mean, if you're blind, who doesn't want to see? And if Jesus might be the Messiah who has the authority and the power to give me sight, hey, I'll, you know, cast a chip on that bet. But Jesus bore it down deeper. You can't cast a chip on that bet. You've got to bet the house. Do you really believe I am who you just said I am? And they bet the house and they said, yes, we do. And Jesus restored their sight. You have to imagine going from darkness to sight. Now, don't go telling everybody about this. And they go off and go tell everybody about this. Do you believe that Jesus has the power and the authority to restore sight to the blind? If so, say, yes, I believe. Then finally, he encounters the guy who's possessed by a demon. And for whatever reason, out of this possession and oppression on this guy's life, he can't speak. He's mute. And so when Jesus casts the demon out of him, boom, his tongue is loosed and he's able to speak. And right then and there, verses 33 and 34, we're confronted with who is this Jesus. And some marveled and believed. And some scorned, scoffed, and said, This is happening by some means other than God. And so it forces, Matthew forces the question on us Who do you say that he is? What do you believe about Jesus? And so let me just highlight and raise the issue, raise the thermometer, if you will, the temperature a little bit in your own heart about what do you really believe about Jesus. And if you do believe, I invite you to confess it out loud. Yes, I believe that Jesus is God. Uh, They get tougher. The questions do. So let me do it again. Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that Jesus is sovereign? Do you believe that Jesus is compassionate? Do you believe that Jesus can restore you from your brokenness and sin? Okay, then what is that brokenness? What is that sin? What is that frailty? What is that weakness? 
In what way do you need restoration? And here's where we're going, friends. We're going to a place of confession. I believe that Jesus can restore me about my issue. What is that? Is it something around pride? Self-sufficiency, doing life your own way apart from Him? Can He restore you unto Himself? From the isolation that you've created? From the selfishness? From the self-centeredness? From making it all about me and not about Him? What about discontentment? You have kind of a chronic, life-draining Negativism, pessimism, life's not fair, life's not treating me well, Uh, I, I want this, I want that, I lust for this, I lust for that. What about some kind of wounding? You've made some choices that have battered your life, or somebody else made some choices that battered your life. Maybe you've had some abandonment, maybe you've had some rejection. Maybe you've had some abuse. Can he, will he restore you from that? Maybe you're blind in some kind of way. Maybe you just don't have the capacity right now to see the presence of God, the handiwork of God, the power of God. You can't see what's truly going on in the lives of others. You you can't really perceive reality. There's so much denial that clouds your vision and blinds you. Could He restore you to sight? You can't hear the things of God. You can't really hear the people that are around you. What are they really saying? Because you're so caught up in other stuff, you've lost the capacity to hear. Could He restore your hearing? You're, all, you're so oppressed, you're so uh, conflicted, you're so in such inter- internal turmoil, you don't even know how to talk. You can't even say the things that uh, you want to meaningfully communicate to someone else or to God. So you need to lose your tongue. Bring about an integration and a wholeness and a deliverance in you that frees you to be able to communicate and express your heart. Maybe you're crippled. You, you no longer can walk with God. You can't walk with other people in a meaningful way. You just kind of watch these things go by. Can't, can't really engage them. Can He restore you to be able to walk, to stand, to fully engage? Maybe you'd have to say, you know what? I'm just lost. I just, you know, keep hanging around this religious stuff, and I've thought about this religious stuff, but, you know, I've just never really had that engagement with God, that connection. And there's just distance. I I just don't feel close to the Lord. Do you believe? That He can restore you? That He can redeem you? That He can reconcile you to Himself?
Do you believe? So kind of like the blind guys who got asked that repeatedly, they had to drill it down and make sure, you know, where my heart is about that. That's why I just keep hammering away at this. Because you need to know what you really do or do not believe. So I'm going to invite you now to take that connection card or take an insert in the program, whatever you want. And I'm going to invite you to write on there, I believe Christ to restore me, to touch me, to heal me, to deliver me, whatever, from, and you identify what the issue is. Maybe there's three issues. Write them down. As a tangible way of saying, I do believe, and here's the issue I'm believing him about. And I'm going to give give you a minute to do that. I'm so serious about it, I really want to encourage you to write it down because it's going to make it more tangible to you. So take a minute and write that down for yourself. also going to invite you to do one more thing as a tangible expression of your belief a way to just kind of drill it down in your own heart I'm going to invite you to make a verbal confession and I'm going to invite us to do this in unison and so in a moment I'm going to invite us to say in unison I'm believing in Jesus Christ to restore me from and you fill in the blank with the word or the issue, the matter that you're believing him about. And we'll just all confess our separate issue at the same time as a a way of expressing our faith and our trust in him. Now, for me, I'd be saying at that moment, I am believing in Jesus Christ to restore me from abandonment. It's an issue that just keeps hounding away at my life through all these years. It's a chronic thing. What would it be for you? You fill in the blank with what it would be for you. Okay? So here we go. Are you ready? I'm going to invite us to say in unison, I'm believing in Jesus Christ to restore me from. And when we get to the blank, you say your issue. Let's make the confession together in unison aloud right now. I'm believing in Jesus Christ to restore me from abandonment. And amen. And amen. Well, I'm going to invite you now to express your heart to the Lord in your trust and in your belief as we receive the Lord's Supper. I'm going to invite our servers to come forward. If uh, you're new, if you're a guest here today, let me just say that uh, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've committed your life to Him and you're His disciple. You're welcome to receive these elements today. 
as you have tended to your heart in the ways that we invited you, you to earlier in the service to not have any sin, any patterns, behavior uh, that dishonor him between you and the Lord. So, in other words, there's some alignment in your life with the Lord. So, uh, I'm going to invite us to receive the bread. The, the tray will come down the aisle where you are, and you can receive bread. And if you would, hold the bread until everybody has been served, and then we will consume the bread together uh, as I lead us. All right, so Father, uh, we commit this time of communing with you. We commit it to you. We pray that you'll be honored, that you'll be blessed with our faith and our belief, our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.